Good to be back with you. It seems like I've been upstairs for a while, so it's good to be back down. And uh, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'm already hot. That song, uh, I don't know what it's, it's the, uh, the Celtic in that song or whatever. I love that, that song. It's kind of like that Irish dance. It just kind of gets me going. I just love it. It's so nice to be with you this morning. And, uh, you know, Neil's traveling back from uh, Hope's grandfather, uh, grandmother's funeral. So uh, keep them in prayer this morning for their safe travels and get them back. And uh, he'll be preaching down here next Sunday. I do believe that's, that's what the schedule is. So. But it's really nice. Had a good week. Didn't have to fight the snow. I stayed out west and down south, so I didn't have to fight much of the snow. What little bit I was going to fight, I got canceled on that leg into Philadelphia, so that was nice for me. It was probably not so nice if you lived in Philly and you were on my airplane, but that's, uh, that's the life in the flying world. Uh, this morning, we are continuing our ser- series, our Lent series on Words from the Cross, and this morning is a, is a really, really good lesson, I think, and really good word. It's on, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And uh, it's, just, uh, it's just so good to, to bring this message to you this morning. I feel strong about this message, so I hope it comes across the way I feel about it. That doesn't always happen in the preaching world, but... Uh, you know, this is our fourth Sunday of Lent, for those of you who are keeping track of that. And you know, and the season of Lent is, is for our preparation and our honoring of the sacrifice that God sent to us through Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. You know, if you think about our faith, our Christian faith, there's nothing like it in the world. There's no religion, no philosophy, there's no material comfort that offers such a powerful answer to life's toughest questions. And we do have some tough questions in this world. You know, as the two slabs of wood that Jesus was nailed onto. You know, I was drawn to Christianity in a search of joy, which is true. I found my joy through Christianity, my peace in life, my comfort. And, uh, but that's not what keeps me coming back. What keeps me coming back is that comfort of knowing that Jesus died on the cross for me. That he paid a price for our sins. And I am redeemed by what he did for me. So that's what keeps us coming back. Our scripture uh, this morning comes from Mark 15, 29. So the people passing by shouted abuse. Shaking their heads in mockery. Ha! Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so that we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought that he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him, on a reed stick so he could drink it. Wait, he said, 
Let's see whether Elijah comes down to take him down. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What Jesus said in Hebrew, and I haven't had Hebrew, Landon, was Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabbatini. And that means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's why they thought he was calling for Elijah to come down, because he was calling Eli. That is the beginning of Psalm 22, which I'm going to go to in a lot of detail. But I think he was probably referring to Psalm 22. Many uh, theological theologians think the same thing, that he was referring to Psalm 22. But what I want to go to, I, this, a lot of this sermon content comes from a book from, from uh, Adam, Adam Hamilton, and his last, uh, last words from the cross is the title of the book. And after I read his chapter on these words from the cross, I got in it, I got this mob mentality feeling. You know, have you ever gotten caught up in the mob mentality? Well, I'm telling you that you have. You may not realize it, but you have. Because if any of you have ever had a, had a, a kid in sports, you've gotten caught up in the mob mentality. We have all done it, or if you've played sports, or if you've participated in sports, or this afternoon, I'm saying at 1 o'clock, you may get caught up in the mob mentality. You know, whether you pull for or against, whether you're orange or blue or red, you may get caught up in the mob mentality this, this, this afternoon. You know, I think about that. Uh, some of my own examples of getting caught up into, into little things like that. And then I think about world, uh, the world who's gotten caught up in the hype. And I think about the night I was flying and the L.A. riots happened how that mob mentality just took over that portion of the city, basically destroyed that portion of the city. You know, people died. Uh, I think about the mob mentality of how, you know, Hitler convinced the Nazi and his armies to kill 11 million people, you know. Over half of that, that population were Jewish. You know, how does this kind of stuff happen? How do you get in that mob mentality you know, and I think that's what happened to Jesus. I think those passerbys come by, and they got caught up in the chant. Everybody was going, crucify Him, crucify Him. You see, I think that we're all kind of born with this natural tendency with evil inside. And it comes out sometimes in the very worst ways. We want, sometimes we, we like to see people torn down. And that's really sad. So what happened with this mom mentality with Jesus and putting Jesus on the cross. So here's what happened. So Pilate interviews Jesus and sees no reason to kill him. But he basically did to satisfy the Jewish people who were at the time wanting him dead. So this is what happened if you look at it from just outside a historical context. So Pilate, through the religious leaders, killed this innocent pacifist, pacifist preacher who preached love and peace. They killed an innocent man who had done no wrong under the context that he was a threat to the emperor. Isn't that sad? That is so sad. He was really a threat to the Jewish priest in the way of life, you know. They weren't going to get their, 
their uh, denarii for the turtle doves that they were going to sacrifice or the lamb anymore. You know, how does the mob effect happen to these people? Well, they spread lies, they spewed anger, you know, and I want you to keep this point in mind, that the people who did this to Jesus, the people, you know, sure the priests were saying, saying all these things and lies about him, and maybe got the people riled up, but the people are the ones who sent Jesus to the cross with this mob mentality. Think about those people. Some of them were the most pious religious people of the day. They were the religious people of the day, but they got into this mob mentality and killed an innocent person. You know, I think about all the things that go on in this broken world right now, and I actually, this dawned on me while I was having this and try not to chuck any spears my way. But that's what's going on in our politics right now. We have a mob mentality on both sides of our political system, and we don't seem to be able to function in this country because of it. We have forgot the love and grace that we need to show everybody in this country. Everybody deserves that, and especially if you call yourself a Christian. You know, I actually wrote in my notes, the country has lost its mind. You know, everybody wants validation for their thoughts because they're right. Isn't that how we think? Nobody's wrong in this world. We don't get told no anymore. I think sometimes that's why I have so much trouble at work every once in a while. Nobody's told these people no ever in their life. You know, no, sir. You cannot bring that big bag on my airplane. It will not fit an overhead bin. And you should see some of the fits they throw. But I have a comeback for that. I usually say, well, sir, you can either check your bag or stay here. You know? Some of the loudest voices that we hear are those looking for validation and affirmation in this world. And a lot of times, they want us to make their sin right and correct. You see, the problem is we look to other people for our affirmation. We look to each other for our affirmation. And what are we all? We're all broken people and sinners. We all have hurt in our lives. And we all will continue to hurt in one way or another. Not Maybe not each other. But things will go wrong in our lives. We don't look to God for that validation, that affirmation. That's where we mess up. I brought this, uh, this came to mind. You remember in class when somebody starts picking on another kid and you joined in? And you thought it was innocent and you didn't think it hurt them at all? And then you found out later that maybe that did really hurt that person? You know, maybe you wish you hadn't done it and you have some remorse? I'm sure that some of these people that, that were in that mom mentality with Jesus had a lot of that regret. In fact, I would say I know they probably did. How could you not have those, that regret with all those hurtful feelings? You know, many times when it's dark in our lives and we have dark times, everybody has dark times. You know, if you don't, uh, 
you know, life is hard. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how many material things you have. Life is hard in this world. The only thing that I found to make it easier is my faith. Because things aren't always going to go in your way, go your way. There's going to be an un, unplanned sickness or unplanned health crisis. You know, there's going to be a tragic death in your family or close family or friends. You know, a lot of times that's when we finally get down on our knees and pray to God. When we get to our lowest point, we pray to God and ask Him for help. And this makes me think of the love that Jesus has for us. You know, when I think of Jesus dying on that cross, I think of the pain that He felt. I think He knows exactly how we feel. Because God sent His only Son to die on that cross to feel that excruciating pain, to listen to those slurs being hurled at Him. You know, it was just the Sunday prior that He rode in on Palm Sunday and all the palm leaves, branches, and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And a few days later, how fate changes. And they were chanting, crucify Him, crucify Him. Man, you can go from hero to goat in a fast time, fast time period. You see it all the time in life. You see it all the time on the news. I would never want to be in politics today. You can go in hero to a goat and it's, it's a fast You know, we go through life today in this fast-paced world, and a lot of times we forget to think about others. We think about ourselves maybe and our families, but we forget about others. You know, I talked about us looking for answers in the wrong places. But we don't do enough for others now. It's hard to. It's hard to find time to do, do things for others. We don't, do, we don't love on our neighbor, neighbors enough. Our neighbors need a lot of love, you know. We're not sacrificing anything for God. It's hard to find time for that. And you know, a lot of times we're messing our spiritual connection through worship. And I'm telling you, I need worship. I need worship really bad. I know that's bad English. <laughs> I need to be reminded of my sin. I need to be around other, re other believers to recharge my bucket, my spiritual bucket that gets emptied out every week. I need my heart to be softened. I truly need my heart to be softened. You know, the three things I take away from this this morning, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is one, I want you to think about how many times you find yourself in that mob mentality. How many times do you find yourself going, yes, 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 You know, I want you to think about seeing Jesus on that cross. Visualize that in your minds and think about the insults and the slurs that he was hearing at that time when he was 
He was so glorious just a few days prior. You know, we're swayed too easily. Second, I want you to think about the costliness of God's grace. You see, Jesus' pain was not only psychological and spiritual, it was also physical. The price of His redemption for, our, for us, our redemption was profound. You know, and I think God used this model so God would, could experience the pain and suffering for Himself that we feel on this earth. You know, this model that Jesus showed us was that of a giant sacrificial love for humanity. And third, I want to talk about Jesus knows firsthand the feelings of hopelessness, doubt, and despair. And he started using the words in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is almost a prophetic psalm about the crucifixion, if you look at it in that context. Psalm 22 starts out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Now, in the day of this century, you know, this early, this early time before his death, people would have known Psalm 22. People would have probably sung Psalm 22 like we know Amazing Grace and some other old hymns today. People would have sung this, so they would have known this psalm. And a lot of times, people would start the words of the psalm knowing what the psalm ended. There are certain verses in this psalm that really, that really sticks out. In verse 7, it says, All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. In verse uh, uh, 10, it says, On you I was cast from my birth, and since my mother bore me, you have been my God. I mean, there's so much prophetic stuff. I invite you to read 22 tonight. uh, Psalm 22. It's kind of ironic, but this page is 666 in my Bible. It says, My mouth is dried up like like a pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to my cheek. You lay me in the dust of death. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Does that sound familiar to the story? In, the old, in another version, I think in the King James Version, it says, They have pierced my hands and my feet. But that's not the end of the psalm. The end of the psalm talks about all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. So the end of the psalm is actually a praise for the Lord. You know, the psalm questions God's in tough times, and we'll all experience these times in our lives. It's unavoidable because as I have learned and Everybody knows that once life is given, life will end. There will be death. But the end of this psalm praises God, actually. So you could look at Jesus' words both ways. 
God, why have you forsaken me? And also, this is a psalm I'm offering praise to my God. By questioning God doesn't mean that's a bad thing. Questioning God is actually an act of faith to God. You see, people were mad at Jesus. He was supposed to be their new king. He was supposed to save them from all this. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? That he did not save himself, but he saved them. He saved us and offered us eternal life. So this morning, as we go to Holy Communion, I want us to think about the sacrifice that God gave us by His Son and Jesus. Think about the sacrifice that you can do in your lives to help others in need. The fact sacrifices that you can do to, to make your experience to worship God more powerful. As Jesus knows your pain, He felt it, and He lived it. Pray Him that prayer this morning. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for the gifts that you've given us, the gifts of grace, the gifts of spiritual guidance, all the things that, that we take for granted in this world and we look other places. We look to other places for our enjoyment, our fun, our satisfaction, our fulfillment, instead of looking for you to you. Lord, I just pray that you touch each and every one of us this morning. That you let us take what we've learned today. That we let it let us take this and touch someone else. Touch their hearts. Lead, guide, and direct them to, to find you. And Lord, it may just as, be as simple as being a friend to someone in need. Lord, be with us as we go on our way. Lord, be with us as we take communion this morning. Lord, let us feel your strength. Lord, let us all say in our hearts that I love you and I need you. We do all these things in your name. Amen.